0: Alright, good morning. Let's begin. A lot to do today. Today's death is Tess Zion sixteen. But we are picking up on Tess Vav on with base fifteen B, the Mishnah. Beautiful, beautiful daf today. Chamisha Tamin. the say there are five different categories of Tam. There are five different categories of Tam which have the potential to evolve into Mu'ad. What are they? Before we get into that, so at first, a Behema is not considered to be Mu'ad, rather it's considered to be Tam for the following activities. Lo velo ligof, not to gore, not to push, velo not to bite, velo not to, literally not to squat on, live livot, and not to, and not to kick. So we'll say, if an animal, these are all, of course, these are all parts of Karen, And what the Mishnah is teaching me Is that the fir- an animal is not assumed To be aggressive in nature We'll see certain exceptions to that And therefore again the first three times That an animal commits or damages Through one of these acts The animal is considered to be a tam And therefore again only pays Chatsi nezek Once an animal does it three times Then by definition it becomes a muad And pays nezek shaling <laughs> So shein ultimately again is considered to be muad to eat that which it is fit for So also what that means is remember shame refers to damage done in the normal course of the animal getting pleasure. So remember, again, the idea over here is that shane is mu'ad from the beginning. That as opposed to karen, which only becomes mu'ad after three times, an animal is mu'ad for shane damage from the beginning. Similarly, again, rega represents damage that an animal does in its normal co- course of walking. So an animal is considered to be mu'ad. For regal damage from the beginning. Furthermore, again, a shor hamuad. So we'll say, so again, shor hamuad means an animal that has now committed the act of damage more than three times. That's called a shor hamuad. Or shor hanizak, or a shor that commits damage in the rishus of the nizak, of the damaged party. Vah adam and a person. we we'll say these are all considered to be examples, ultimately, again of people who, are, or entities that are a muad from the beginning. Fine. Hazev v'ha'ari. Now, Mishnah is going to speak about categories of animals that are considered to be muad from the beginning. Hazev, a wolf. Hari the lion. The dove, the bear. Namar is a leopard. Bardalus will translate in the Gimara, Nachash, Snake will say These are considered to be mu'ad from the beginning. In other words, any damage these type of animals cause is considered to be mu'ad from the beginning. Rabbi Elazar Omer, says that when they are domesticated, when they are domesticated, then ultimately, again, they are not mu'ad. In other words, Rabbi Elazar seems to say that you have the ability to domesticate these types of animals, and therefore if they are domesticated, then again, they become subject to the laws of regular domesticated animals, which essentially would mean that they're only chayib nezek shalim for Karen after having... After, after, after engaging in, um, in destructive acts three times. But a snake, Rabbi Lazar says, can never be domesticated. A snake is always considered to be muad ultimately for damages. Says the Gemara. From the fact that the Mishnah said that a shame, that shame, is muad to eat. In other words, we both say that for, that for damage done by an animal in the course of pleasure-seeking activities... That the animal is muad from the beginning. So, we'll say, so again, the assumption over here that we have to make is that Lamaisa. This is talking about damage done in the rishus of the nizak. Damage done in the rishus of the damaged party. And yet, what do we see? So I will say, so the fact that we're setting up the Mishnah as talking about a case of damage done in the Rishus of the Nizak tells us that by Shaying, you're Muad from the beginning, but yet by Karen, by Karen done in the Rishus of the Nizak, you're only Chayiv, at least for the first three times before the animal becomes a Muad, you're only Chayiv Chassi nezek. Money, who's the pain business for fact? Rabbanon he Amar, mishuna karen bchatzah Hanizak, chatsi nizak ude shalim So the Mishnah seems to be set up according to the rabbanon, namely again that if you go ahead and you commit an act of karen in the reshos hanizak, in the reshos of the damaged party, that lamaisa again your are only chayiv chatsi nizak. Fine, aymah seifa. But look at the end of the mishna shor hamuad v'shor hanizak. Remember the seifa says the following. That if you have a shorah which is again a shur that has already damaged three times now, has become a habitual of, offender. Or a hamazik mazik or a shur that does damage in the rush of the nizak, or v'ha'adam, or a person. So we'll say, so in that case, on the rabbi tarfon. Remember, that's talking about a case now that Mishnah then says, Yechayi v'nezak that would seem to reflect the view of rabbi tarfon, the amar, Meshuna karen bechatzer hanizak nezak shalingu demishaling, and yet because why? Well, Rabbi Tarfon is of the opinion that if an animal commits an act of karen within the rishus mm-hmm. that he is chayiv and nezak shaling. So both say, see you see the Shailah? The shayla is are you telling me reishir abanan ve sefer Rabbi Tarfon. Are you telling me that the Reisha is the Rabbanon? Right? That the first part of the Mishnah is the Rabbanon and the seifa, the second part of the Mishnah is So Rabbi Tarifon. So, So remember, generally the Gemara does not like that. Meaning, generally, if we could set up the Mishnah according to one author, that's definitely preferable. To which the Gemara says, well, in this case over here, in... Yes, in this case, it is true. The Rishas the Rabban and the Seifa Rabbi Tarfon. The Amrli Shmuel the Rabbi Huda, because after all, Shmuel is the Rabbi sharp one. Shavuk Masnisen. Leave aside your interpretation of the Mishnah. Betoa Vasrai, and follow me. How do you follow me? Rishah Rabban the Seifa Rabbi Tarfon. The Rishas that Rabban and ultimately the Seifa is Rabbi Tarfon. So, obviously, so you understand the the, the, the inherent contradiction the Gemara is trying to solve is it sounds like the Rishas it sounds like both the Rishah and the Seifa are talking about Karen. Done in the rishus of the Nizak. Karen damage done in the property of the damaged party. Yet the, the Rishos says that you're Nezak, and the Seifa says <laughs> you're Nezak How do we reconcile that contradiction? So the first approach of the Gimara is very simple. The Rishos who says that Karen done in the of the Nizak ultimately is Khatsi Nezak, and the is Rabbi who says that Karen done in the rishus of the Nizak is going to be Nezak Shelling. Fine. Nothing more than to give a second answer. Re- Rabbi Elozer, Rabbi Elozer, Rabbi Elozer, name of Rab said, top of Tezzaim, Kula Rabbi Tarfon. know the entire Mishnah, in fact, reflects the view of Rabbi Tarfon. So Rabbi Tarfon will say, I'm sorry, so the Gemara will say like this. The first part of the Mishnah is talking about a Chatzir, where yes, it is true that, that damage happens in the Roshas of the Nizak, but listen to this, it's talking about a Chatzir. Where only one of them, in this case the one of them being the damaged party, has the right to keep his payros there. Right? So only 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 damaged party had the right to keep his produce there, not the damager. But both of them have the right to have their animals there. Watch this. Telegabis Shane So we'll say, because for Shane, for for Shane, that property will be called the property of the nizak. Why? Because it was only the nizak who had the right to keep his produce there, not the mazik. So therefore, for Shane purposes, it's the property of the nizak. And therefore, what we'll say? That's why, if in the event, that's why you have to pay nizak shalim, ultimately for the Shane. But we'll say, for Karen, it's called rushu sarabim. And therefore, what. And therefore what? And therefore that's why you'll go ahead and you'll pay chatsi nezek. See, even according to Rabbi Tarfon, remember, if you do Karen in Rosh Hashanah, ultimately, again, you'll only have to pay chatsi nezek for the first three times. Am mm-hmm. um, Rav Kahana, Amri Selesh Shemitei Kamei de Rab Zvid So Rav Kahana said, I said this over in front of Rav Zvid of Narda. V'amr me matis mukmas like Rabbi Tarfon. How can you set up the entire Meshleik Rabbi Tarfon? after all, we learned, Hashain mu'ades le'echol Yet yeah, we learned, that's what, what does it say in the Mishnah? That Rebbe says shame is actually very interesting. Shane, we know, shame is considered to be muad from the beginning, which means that if an animal damages through shame, then ultimately you have to pay nezek shalim even for the first act of damage. But the Mishnah gives in something very interesting. you only chayif for shame if he damages something a roila Ro'ila means what the says, that the animal, for example, eats something normal. For example, if an animal eats my utensils, that's not called a normal act of shame. The animal eats my grapes. That's a normal <laughs> act of shame. So the Gemara says, <laughs> From the Mishnah, you see what? That an animal is only chayiv for shame. That's roi. That's normal. But not for an act of shame. That's not roi. <laughs> listen to this. Now this is fascinating. Now let's play this out. Let's say the animal eats my utensils. So it's not what? can't be considered what? Can't be considered shame, right? Because the like mice said it's a non normative act of pleasure. So, what do you call an act of damage that doesn't fall into the other categories? So, what would you call an act where an animal eats Caleb? The Gemara suggests you'd have to call that Karen you'd have to call that karen, right? Because again, remember, any type of damage that cannot be classified ultimately, again, as pleasurable activity or derech ilucho, or just normative walking of the animal, by definition has to be karen. Well, if it's karen then, then what's Rabbi Tarfon's position by karen? Rabbi Tarfon says, Rabbi Tarfon says that if you have karen that occurs in the rushus of the nizak, in the rishus of the damaged party, what's the halakha? Nezek shalim mishalim. Remember, Rabbi Tarfon, you have to pay full nezek. If that's the case, then the mishnah should have ruled that what—that when you have when you when you have an animal that eats something that was not ra'u ilo, and it was happening in rishus hanizak, so you should have to pay nezek shalim Karen. And mishnah doesn't say that. Elulid olam Rather, you have to say the Mishnah, in fact, reflects the view of the Rabbanon. The Mishnah was missing a part, and here's how you have to read it. There are five different cases of Tam. And ultimately, again, if the Tam became a Muad, so we'll say, and again, and all five of these have the ability to become a Muad. In other words, there are five cases of Tam, and if the animal becomes a habitual offender, ultimate, ultimately, again, the animal becomes a Muad. Vishain mu'ad muadin mitchilasan. We'll say shain in regel. You're considered to be a muad from the beginning. So we'll say your chai, it's very important you sowed, by the way. Your shain and regel are muad from the beginning. It's only Karen that has the concept of tam until it gores, until it damages three times and then becomes a muad. So it says the Mar, v'heikhan ha'adasan, v'heikhan ha'adasan. And ultimately, again, where are shain and regel considered to be a muad? Bechatzra hanizak. Both says is very important. Yisod. Uh, see, see, each thing has its own. Each thing has its own khumrus. So remember, for keren, which means aggressive damage done by an animal, an animal is considered to be a tam the first three times, which means it only pays chatzinezek. Fourth time in on it's a muad, nezek shaling. Shane and regel, again, shane refers to the damages done by an animal in the course of the pursuit of pleasure. Regel, iluch, while the animal's walking normally, for those you are muad from the beginning. From those you are muad from the beginning. However, again, the idea is by shane and regel, your only chayyah for damage is done in the rishus of the nizak. However, again, if damage done in Rosh Rabim, you are potter for. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, Where do we say that shein and regular are muad? Ultimately, again, bechatzer hanizak only in the domain of the damaged part. of it makes sense, by the way, in Rosh Hashanah you're potter for Shane and Regal, because in Rosh Hashanah everyone has permission to be there. So because everyone has permission to be there, there's a heightened level of vigilance that people have to have over their property, over their animals, over their stuff, recognizing that there are other animals, other property, other stuff there as well. Maskev la Ravina, Sera Ravina Rez katani hakatani lakamon, shara mazik bir shasani zak but yet we learned later on, what's the case of Shor HaMazik in the Rishus of the Nizak? And I also remember again, that Mishnah is talking about, we'll see later on, that Mishnah is talking about the (laughs) Rabbi Tarfun and the Rabbah. Now remember, Rabbi Tarfun says that Karen done in Rishus HaNizak, Karen done. In the in the damages domain is chayv nezek Shalim, The rabbanon say chatzin nezek. So if you say that our mishnah is reflecting the view of the machlok, I should say if you say that our mishnah is reflecting the machlok, is Rabbi Taraphon and the rabbanon, then it makes sense that the next mishnah picks up with the word ketsad, trying to frame the case. But if you say that our Mishnah is not reflecting the view of, excuse me, that our Mishnah is not reflecting the Makhlokis of Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva, then why does the next Mishnah begin with the word Ketsad? So the Umar goes later. Rather, Ravina said, the Mishnah was missing a piece, and here's how you have to read it. There are five cases of tam ve'im huadu chamishdan muadin, and if they become muad, right? And if and if they become habitual offenders, then those five could become muad. For shein ve muad but for shein and regal, an animal is muad from the beginning. V'zehu shor hamuad. And by the way, when the Torah speaks about when the Torah speaks about a shar hamuad, so the, shor, the Torah is talking about a shar that became a muad after exhibiting habitual behavior three times. ber hanizak, and the case of a shar that damages in the property of the damaged party. Mahlokis Rabitarfon Virabanon. This will be Mahlkis Rabitarfon the Rabban Rabitarfon saying Yor Chaiv Nazak Shalim. For Karan done in the Roshus of the Nizok, the Rabon saying Yurchayev Khatsi Nezek. Vyesh Mu'ad Machhirim. There are other cases of Muad Kiyotse Ba There are other cases of Muad Muerabosai we'll as well. What are the other cases of Mu'ad? Hazev, Vahari, Vadova Bardlas Val Namarvanhash, the other cases of Muad will be damage done by a wolf, a lion, a bear a bardalus, a, a leopard, a, a namar, and a snake. So, we'll say, so in, this version of the, in this version of the Mishnah, or this, this understanding of the Mishnah, we have a machlokis over here between Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva embedded in the Mishnah itself. Taina Yachar Baisa that supports this. there are five cases of Tam. V'emhuadu mu'adan, and if ultimately, again, they become habitual offenders, then they transition from being a Tam, ultimately to being a mu'ad. But I will say, for Shane and Regal, you are Muad from the beginning. Meaning, therefore, you have to pay Nezek Shalim for Shane and Muad from the beginning. And this is the paradigmatic biblical case of Shar Muad. In other words, I will say, the paradigmatic biblical case of Shara Muad is an animal ultimately that becomes Muad after goring or after exhibiting aggressive behavior three times. Shahers San, and if you have a shore that damage is in the Ra of the damaged party, Mahluk is Rabitar from Verbonon. This becomes the Machlux, you the Tarifon, right. and the Rabbanon. V'yesh mu'ad in I see This price, by the way, is just pretty much quoting our Mishnah verbatim. V'yesh mu'ad in a khair. There are other animals that are mu'ad like these. And what are they? Hazev Vahari hadov anam v'ha'ardless v'ha'nochosh. V'yesh mu'ad See, these animals, again, the wolf, the lion, the bear, the, the leopard, the bardless, and the snake are considered to be, ultimately, again, mu'ad from the beginning. Fine there are some who phrase this more as a question. Tinan, we learn hamisha tamim that there are five cases of tam and which then can become five cases of muad. In other words, tam. Those tam's, those tam's, those tamim could go ahead. Tamos, tamos. I don't know. Okay, we'll have to ask, uh, just ask any five-year-old girl. They'll be able to tell you, right? So, so the idea, So, we, which one is it? Whatever it is, these five cases of Tam ultimately could become Muad. So, the question is: Is that are there are only five cases of Muad? But there are all these other cases of animals that are Muad from the beginning. Ravina said, Rather, there was a piece missing in here, so you have to read it. There are five cases that begin as tam, and we'll say, and if they become habitual offenders, then what? Then they transition from being a tam to being a muad. And shain and regal, an animal is muad, and therefore has to pay nezek Shalim from the beginning. I'm sorry. And this is the case, the biblically paradigmatic case, or the paradigmatic biblical case. Of is an animal that begins as a tam, but as a result of habitual aggressive behavior, becomes a muad. and a shor that damages in The And there are other cases of muad There are Muads from the beginning, and those are hazev Vahari, hadov Ba v'abardlis So both say. So what comes out for, for, what comes out over here is the following. So so far most of this was just the restating of our Mishnah, but for our purposes, what does come out is there is the machlokas in our between Rabbi Tarfon and the Rabbanon about nezek done. I should say keren done in the reshus of the nizak. Rabbi Tarfon says that the novelty of keren done in the reshus of the nizak is that you are chayiv nezek Shalim, even what even for the first time damage is committed, Rabbanon say no, even Karen Darnosh Surabim is still only going to be what? It's still only going to be Chatzinezek. Other than that case, everyone agrees that for Karen, the first three times the animal commits Karen damage is is a Tam, therefore only pays Chatzinezek. Fourth time and on, you are a muad. The Mishnah also teaches me that there are certain animals that are considered to be muad from the beginning. We'll discuss them as well. And number three is that for Shane and Regal. Damage done through Shane and Regal and animals considered to be muad from the beginning. And therefore, Nezek, Sholim, already from the time of the first offense. So remember the Mishnah said that an animal is not considered to be a muad. Boats, to go out and squat on utensils and crush them. So we'll say what that means is that if an animal squats down on utensils and crushes them, the first three times the animal does this, it's what? It's a tam, and therefore it pays what? Chatsi It's only from the fourth time and on that ultimately the animal is a muad and will pay nezek shalim. lo gidolim. When do we say that it's abnormal, it's mishunah, for an animal to squat and damage on utensils, that's only large utensils. That's only large utensils. kitanim But they're both saying, for small utensils, it is normal for the animal to damage, to squat down. Rashi says, Avapachim oh. kitanim, Learboats, V'emrav tzalein b'shusha rabim potter, b'shusha nizek chayev es nezek sholim d'toldo But I just want to point out, there's another piece, which is, remember, for Shein and Regel, you are potter for Shein and Regel committed in the Roshosh HaRabim. Only Chayev for Shein and Regel committed in their sin. I'm going to try to put this all down on a table so that uh, we can have it for constant reference because these ideas, unless someone else wants to... Okay, I'll do it. So there are certain principles which you're going to be operating with throughout the entirety of the Masechta. So this is the other one over here. Shane so and Regal, your potter and Rishos HaRabim, Chayib and HaYochid. So now the Gemara saying is the following. When do we say that if the animals... So remember, the case over here of Shane would be where the animal is going ahead, Ruben's animal enters into my Rishos and sits down on my Caleb. So the Mishnah said... That animal is considered to be a tam for squatting on calum and crushing them. Ravina is coming up, Rabbi is saying, that's only true with large utensils. Because we'll say, the assumption over here is that a large utensil, the animal will like, have to maneuver itself to be able to squat down and sit on it. But small utensils, be Pashto swat, the animal is just going to sit down wherever it wants to. The animals that is considered to be a normative case of damage. And therefore, the owner of the animal will be chayiv. So the Gemara goes right there. Because that, that'll be, again, a told of regal. So let's say that this b'raisa supports this. So what does the price say? An animal is mu'edas. An animal is mu'ed from the beginning. To walk in its normative fashion. To break stuff as it walks. And to crush people, other animals, and other kalim. Let's also say animals sit down. Where they want to sit down, whether something's in that place or not. And therefore, again, if in the course of sitting down they crush a person, another animal, or utensils, ultimately what? Ultimately, again, that's considered to be a normative act of regel, and therefore, again, and therefore, again, the owner of the animal will be Good morning, Mr. Shomfuk. Right? And therefore, and so, I we'll so understand so that that's a case. That's a case, by the way, where what? Where again, that would be a case of regel. That would be a normative case of regel. So, we'll say, so now, what do you see from here? We have a contradiction. The Mishnah on one hand said that you're not chayiv for, an animal's not chayiv for squatting down on kalim. The Braises said the animal is chayiv for squatting down on kalim. How do I reconcile this contradiction? So the simple reconciliation will be how? The Mishnah's talking about large utensils, which, I will, not be, which the, I will not be chayiv for, the animal's not chayiv for. Whereas the Bryce is talking about what? Small utensils, which the animal will be chayiv for. well, maybe Maybe when the Braises speaks about crushing utensils, it's not talking about squatting on them, but rather what? The animal brushes against them with his side, with his body, as he's going ahead and walking through the Rosh arabim or the rishes I should say. others say, amr pachin Ravosha well, others have a different version of this. That says, don't assume the Mishnah is referring to large utensils, de lav orchei, because that's not considered to be a normative act of damage. Ava ketanim But lest you think that perhaps for the animal to squat down on small utensils is normal, ela afilu nami Rather, Rebbe says, Rebbe Lozze, even for the animal to crush small utensils. Is it considered to be a non-normative act? So the Gemara says, But one second, is that true? It says that it is normal for an animal to go ahead and sit down and squat upon and crush a person, another person, another animal or utensils. Or Rebbe says, maybe that's not a case of squatting now, but rather it's a case where the animal is damaging by brushing against something. Some pose this as a kasha. The Mishnah said that an animal is not considered to be mu'ad, for, for, sh- for regular purposes, for squatting down on kiln. But yet again, the Braith has said that an animal is considered to be mu'ad to squat down and to crush a person or another animal or utensils um, Rebelaz or kasha Khan be Pachem Gidolim, Khan be Pachem Kitanim. Rebelaz says it's not a kasha. one is talking about a case of large utensils, one is talking about a case of small utensils. So we'll say, so bottom line, the way we paskin is the following, that is considered to be an abnormal act for an animal to go ahead and squat down on large utensils, Pachem gedolim. However, again, it is considered to be a normal act for an animal to squat down on small utensils and crush them like that. So therefore, if an animal were to go ahead and squat down and crush small utensils in the rishus of the nizak, in the property of the damaged party, that would be called regel, and you would be chayiv nazik shalei. Was was how do you gauge a small utensil and a large utensil? It appears that a small utensil is something that an animal could just sit down on, without any additional maneuvering or, or positioning of its body. It just sits down and sits on top of the thing. A large sense we have to say something that the animal almost have to place itself on yeah. top of. So that ultimately, again, would be more mishuna That might fall into the category of Karen. But for our purposes, if an animal damages Pachim Kitanim, ultimately the animal will be chayi for that. That's considered to be an act of regal. Pachim Gidolim not. Hazeva. Now we get into a very interesting discussion about the halachic status of what we'll call undomesticated or non-domesticated animals. It's, it's amazing, you know, it's, it's an amazing timing of this, of this sugyo. You know, here, it's, you see it's just amazing that in the last just week or so, ...the news with these type of situations... First, the, ...the boy who fell into the pen at the zoo... ...with the gorilla, Nebuch, this boy... Yeah. ...who was dragged off in Orlando... ...by the, by the alligator... It's, it's, ...it's an amazing muster, by the way... ...that as much as man subdues the world... ...Khash Baruch Hu said... Shua, ...tells us to subdue the world... ...but yet, again, there are certain forces of nature... That are just beyond man. It's an amazing thing. Are just, we, we, could, we could travel to the moon. We travel to the moon, but yet we don't have the ability to tame wildlife. All the wildlife on this world. It's an incredibly humbling thing. So the Gemara said, "The following hazevari." My bardulos. What's a bardulos? What's a bardulos? i oh, huda nafraza very helpful. A bardulos is an afraza Fine. So the Gemara says, "My so what's an afraza I'm Again, this is very helpful. So we'll say, so obviously the Now obviously for the Gimara these are helpful terms. For us, these are not very helpful. So Rabbi Meir said even at Tzavua even at tzavua, Rabbi Lazar Omer and Rabbi Lazar says even the snake. These are all different examples of animals that cannot be considered domesticated. and yet Rabbi Yosef said that the Tzavua ultimately again is is an appa as well. Kan B'Tzavuah Zachar, Kan B'Tzavuah Nekeva. And we'll say, one is talking about a male zavua, one is talking about a female. Okay, zavua zachar Tzavuah Zachar, La'acher Shevashanem, Na'asa Atalif. So we'll say, this is a very interesting sugya. Uh, we'll have, if we have a few minutes, we'll discuss it. So it's a male zavua after seven years, becomes an Atalif. We'll say, Atalif is a bat. So somehow at zavua morphs after seven male, a male tzavu after seven years, morphs into a bat. Atalif l'achar shavashanim shanim, naase arpad. So an atalif after seven years becomes an arpad, which I will say is another type of bat. Arpad l'achar zayin shanim, naase kimush. An arpad after seven years, kimush is literally a, a nettle, a nettle, meaning a type of prickly plant. Kimush l'achar shavashanim naase chuch. So a, a kimush... A nettle plant after seven years becomes a thorn. Chuk la'achar shade, and a thorn after seven years becomes a shade. So, just again, without. I wish we had more time, but I'll just tell you that the Marsha explains this Gemara. Obviously, not to be understood literally, but rather as an incredible message, which is the I'll just read to you one line in the Marsha. The Yehu molid the Maharajah says the message over here is let's say that, that whenever something creates something, it creates something in his own image. The idea of the Mishnah is, the idea of the this, of this statement is, and we'll say, if you look at all of these things, all of these things are damaging in nature. So the idea is that ultimately, again, if, if an entity is damaging in nature, it creates other damaging things as well. So the Ben Yehoyada. Picks up on this mashah and he says something amazing. He says, at the end of the day, the disposition that a person has in life colors their creations in this world. So the idea that the Gemara is saying over here is that damaging things create other damaging things. But the Benyod says in life also, we'll say if a person has negative midos, those negative midos come out in my home, those negative midos come out in my children, those negative midos ultimately come out in the life around me. The person you are, the disposition you have, comes out in all areas of your life. He goes on. He says, Furthermore, Shidro shall adab. There's another amazing Gemara. The spine of a person. Nachash. After a person dies, so their spine ultimately, after seven years, becomes a snake. Now, when does that happen? That's only true if a person didn't bow properly in modim. So I say, so again, what does this mean? So the marashot says something amazing. The marashot says that the act of bowing properly in modim. Remember the gemara. We learned this in daf yomi. The gemara says you're supposed to bow in modim until you feel the vertebrae in your back clenched together. So bowing in modim, bowing in modim, represents a form of humility. I'm humbling myself before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Those who don't humble themselves before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world, what does it mean? My spine becomes a snake. Both say the snake was the one creature that did not humble itself before God. Remember again, it was the Nachash ultimately that convinces Chava to sin. It was the Nachash ultimately again that did not respect will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the Gemara means metaphorically when it says that one who does not bow in modim, ultim, one who does not humble himself in this world, his, his spine becomes, obviously not literal, but the point that the Gemara is trying to make is that those who did not humble themselves before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world, ultimately we'll have to stand in the Cheshbon for that in the world to come. Omer Mar, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir said, even at Savuah, which is a type of animal, is not considered to be, is considered to be more from the beginning. Rabbi Elazar Omer, Rabbi said, even the snake, says the Mishnah, so if you look at Rashi, Tani Af. So listen to this. So Rabelaza says that the Lushan over here of Nachash indicates to us that it's even the snake, Rabelaza seems to indicate, that perhaps he disagrees with the other cases and says that those other cases ultimately again are not mu'addin from the beginning. But yet again we had in the Mishnah that Rabelaza said that when those other animals are not domestic, or so when those other animals are domestic, they are domesticated, they are not muad. But the nachash is muad forever... Tani Nachash. So don't have Rabbi Lazar saying, Afha Nachash, but rather say Rabbi Lazar saying, Nachash. That Nachash is in a category of its own. Yeah. Otherwise, Rabbi Lazar holds that those other animals, the Zeve, the Dove, the ari, the Bardolus, that potentially they can become domesticated. But however, again, according to Rabbi Lazar, one animal that can never become domesticated, that is the snake. Amr Shmuel, Rabbi so now this, by the understand, this discussion of domesticating wild animals is a fascinating one. So listen to this case. Amr Ari So listen to this. I have a pet lion. I have a pet lion. So what happens? I'm walking my lion through the Rishat Sarabim. And what happens? Doras So we'll say, now normally when an animal goes, when a, when a lion, a lion, because it is the king of the food chain, does something very interesting. A lion does not kill its prey before it eats it but rather it pins it down and it eats it like that. Meaning because, again, the lion is not concerned that the prey is going to escape and therefore doesn't have to kill it before eating it. So it pins it down and it eats it. So that's the Glishan over here. So the if, if it daras, if it pins the animal down and eats it, Potter. So then the animal is but I'll say, Why is the animal Potter? Ultimately, Rashi says, daras shiloharga Harga el ate it Live, because let's listen to this. It sounds a little bit strange, but this is a case of Shane Bershazarabim. Right? The animal's going ahead, the Ari's just eating in its normative fashion. Again, pinning the animal down, and eating it live. What's the You're Pater for Shane So however, I'm sorry, taraf Vachal, but if the lion first killed its prey, and then it ate it, Chayef. The Bible says, then ultimately the owner will be chayef. Why look at your eyes? She chayef. Telav archehu. They told that the Karen who mushan chatabosai, the lion killing its prey first and then eating it, that's abnormal. Any abnormal <coughs> act of damage falls into what category? Falls into the category of Karen, and therefore chatzinazakin rusharabim. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Daras vaachal patar, So now the Gemara explains this. When the animal pins down pins down its prey and eats it, so your pater, why that's called shame virus sarab because since it is normal for the Ari to pin down its prey and to eat it, it's no different than if the lion ate fruits and vegetables, the Bir Sarabim u it's considered to be an act of shame. and therefore your Potter, Taroth Lav Orchehu, but again, what's Talacha? But if the animal first kills its prey, and then eats it, that's abnormal, that'll be an act of Keren Bir Sarabim, and therefore the owner will be chayiv Chatsi Nezak, lememra. Are you telling me then that it's, it's abnormal for a lion to first kill its prey before it eats it? We'll say, what do we do about the Pasuk? The Pasuk says, in Pasuk in gorosav? the animal literally will kill on behalf of its cubs, which sounds like the animal, the lion does kill for food, kills the food and brings it back for its cubs. To which the Gemara says, yes, correct, for its cubs, the animal will kill and then bring it back for the cubs. For itself, however, what the animal does not kill before it feeds. It pins the animal down and feeds. Then, <laughs> so what The passage goes on that the lion will go yeah, yeah. ahead and choke choke its prey. <laughs> means is the lavi is the is the is the lioness. So the lion will kill prey. For so you see over here, it's, it's normal for a lion to kill its prey. No, Yes, when the lion brings out, So will say, in other words, here's the chilek. Here's the chilek. If the lion, if the lion is eating right then and there, so the lion pins down its prey and eats alive. If it's takeout, then let say again, the lion will first go ahead and kill. And then bring back. So again, if the animal itself is eating in Rishon to kill is Mushona. That'll be Keren. To pin down, ultimately, again, will be normal and Chatsi Excuse me, and Nezek. I'm sorry, and Potter. Because remember, this is a case of Shein Rishon the So let's say the Gmar just keeps quoting the Pasuk from Nochum. From but yet the Pasuk says that he will go ahead and literally fill his holes, which means his cave. That lion will bring back prey to its cave, which indicates that the lion does kill its prey. Bishil Again, yes, to store food, it is normal for an animal first to go ahead and kill its prey. U'ma'on osav treifa. And its lair is filled with treifa, with dead animals. In other words, fills it with prey. Bishil onosav. Again, yes, to fill its layers, that it'll go ahead and kill its prey. But to eat right then and there, the animal first kills, and then ultimately, again, excuse me, the animal pins down, and then goes ahead and feeds. I have a Tanya, but we learned, the but we learned, that if a chaya enters in, to the chatzra nizak, if the chaya enters in, To the chazr of the nizak, the chazr of the damaged party. So, tarfa behema, if it goes ahead and what? Kills an animal, Va'ach basr, and it eats the meat, meshalim nezak shalim. So, I will say that'll be a case ultimately again of shame done in the rishosan nizak, for which you are chayev nezak shalim. But what do you see from here? Now, I will say now would seem to include any non domesticated animal, which includes what? Which includes what? Includes a lion. This seems to tell me that if the lion kills its prey, and then feeds, that that is a normative act, and therefore a normative act of shame, and therefore the owner's is chayib nezik shalim. ha! I what's the case? Shetar falahaniach. The case over here is where the lion killed the prey in order to what, Rebosai? In order to store it somewhere else. Ha'achla katani. say it's not what the bride says The bride says that the lion is killing the prey, and then what? And then eating it. This is interesting. Bishanim l'chava achla. Where the lion had a change of heart. Meaning the lion, the lion ultimately again, first ki, fright, ki, was going to eat it, but then decided to go ahead and store it. Says the Gimar, that's very interesting. Menoyadinon, how exactly do you know when a lion has a change of heart? In other words, the Gimar says, "Come on, you know that you can't answer that because there's no way of telling that." Furthermore, the Shmuel Nami Furthermore, again, I will say, maybe when Shmuel, maybe Shmuel. Rashi says the Tarap the Va'achal Chayiv. Maybe, Shmuel, maybe Shmuel's case is also talking about a case where what? The animal killed its prey in order to store it afterwards. To which the Gemara says, Here's, you have to understand it in two parts. If the animal went ahead and killed its prey to store it, Oh, Dar Saba or the animal pinned down its prey, pinned down its prey and ate it. Those are two normative acts of damage. So remember again, the normative acts will be if the animal kills its prey and then you see it drags it off to the cave. So it kills its prey to store it, that's normal. Or B, the animal pins down its prey, and eats its prey while still alive and pinned down. I will say, those are normal cases, those are normal acts of shame, and therefore you will be Chayib, Nezek, Shalim, if it's in Urshusa Nizak, or you'll be Pater, if it's in Urshusa Rabin. Ki Ka'amar Shmuel, what's Shmuel's case? Ba'ari Tarbus. I will say, Shmuel's case is talking about what? Of a domesticated lion, and according to Rabbi Lazar, again a domesticated lion would not engage in these behaviors. If that's the case, then even when the animal kills its prey, ultimately again a Ella Dravina Lava shmol Itmar. you have to say that Ravina was not going on shmol statement. Ella But ultimately reflecting the view of the Mishnah ki tani mas nisa. And what is the Mishnah talking about? Ba'ari-Tarbos, with the domesticated line. With Lazar, lav and Karebel-Azhar says this is a un- non-normative act. chatsi nezek If that's the case, then it should have to be Chatsi-Nezek. Because you also remember, any non-normative act of damage, by definition, becomes what? Becomes what? Becomes Keren. And therefore, again, for Keren time, you should have to pay Chatsi-Nezek. Deiit. Where ultimately the animal is a muad. my gabi told the shame. If that's the case, ultimately again, why is it even mentioned by told the shame? Gabi told gabi the Karen by the Misne. It should ultimately be stated by Karen. To which the Gemara says Ultimately, this is a good question. So So this is a very important sukkah because the fundamental shaila over here is. Can you domesticate wild animals or not in Halacha? So we'll say the Shokonach Paskins, this is in Choshen Mishpat, Simen Shin Petes Sivches. Hamisha minei chayo, mu'aden lahazik. There are five animals of we'll Mosai that are considered to be mu'ad from the beginning, meaning Chazal understood that their inherent nature is to damage. Afilu imheim b'nei tarbus. Even if what? even if you keep one of them as a pet, in other words, even if you think you've domesticated them, Chazal tell us, their spirit is undomesticatable. Is what? I didn't read it yet. You don't even know, <laughs> right? uh, So, 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 so again, I don't know. Is that right we're undomesticatable? Oh. right? Right? What are the undomesticable? We'll say Elohim, these are therefore what to say. In his ziku, oh, himisu, benegicha or beneshicha udriso ki yotzei b'ahem, right? Chayiv nezikshan. Therefore, we'll say any of these animals, even after quote unquote domesticated, you're a chayiv nezikshan from the beginning. The Elohim, this is the list. Has the ultimately again the zev haari. Hari the lion, Hadov the bear, Hanamar the the namar, the, the, the the leopard, Bardulus. So both said. Actually, interesting. Enough, the appa, I didn't try I didn't translate it before. Appa, the Gemara understands most understand most understand to mean, or the tzavua. The appa is a polecat. A polecat, also someone in, in the leopard family, so, and so to a snake. So, all of these animals ultimately, again, are considered to be are considered to be muat from the beginning. And even if they're quote unquote even if they're quote unquote domesticated, they are considered in to be undomesticated animals, and therefore, by definition, are muad to go ahead and damage. The Ishomrim dog, also. That's uh, the that's second. Uh, right. So, again, so, so, so the, that's what I was saying. This is very important to That's why, by the way, this is a very important to So, if a person were to quote unquote keep one of these undomesticated animals as a pet, just because, you know, people say, oh, this lion is so sweet, it cuddles with my tantler, it's so beautiful, and then it mulls off someone's face. You know, so, so then the, so the halokhi is also say that that animal is considered to be a muad. The fact that a person considers it to be a domesticated animal, the says, is irrelevant. We understand the teva of these particular animals, their teva, ultimately is to damage, says the Mishnah. <laughs> What's the chilek between tam and muad? So let's just read the and then we'll stop. So, ella, so what's the routine between tam and muad? Ela, migufo. So we'll say, you note know, that a tam, the tam, a tam goes ahead and pays half damages. So we'll say, so understand the following. Now, when we say half damages, so for example, a tam pays half damages. And Tom pays half damages. So you assess with the damages. The damage is X. So for, for a Tom damage, you have to pay 50% of X. But here's the cha, migufo. I will say the damager's liability is capped at the value of the damaging animal. So for example, if my animal damages another animal, that animal is worth, is worth $2,000. And I've damaged, so I, let's say I killed the animal. So now what happens? I have to pay $1,000 worth of damages. But my animal itself is only worth $500. So again, my liability is capped at the value of my animal. So I have to pay half damages, but the cap on the damages is the value of the damager's animal. On the flip side on the other hand the mu'ad animal has to pay or I should say a mu'ad, a mu'ad damager has to pay shalim min min we'll means that there's even personal liability. In other words, that I have to pay damages no matter even if those damages far eclipse the value of the damaging animal. Minaliyya means I have to pay even from my personal assets. Kimara, my aliyah, what does it mean, Min aliyah? It means you have to pay from the best of your property. So I will say so that's what Aliyah means. You have to pay even from the best of your assets the qenu omer so to it says by chizkiah fayishka f chizkiah mabosavik buru ma'ala kivrei b'nei david chizkiah died and they buried him with with literally again b'ma'ala kivrei b'nei david with the ma'ala of the with the ma'ala kivrei the ma'ala kivrei of b'nei david <speaking in> b'ma'ala <Hebrew> b'ma'ala what does he mean ma'ala eitsal mu'ulun shemishpacha chizkiah was buried by the best of the members of the Davidic family, and who were they? Uman um, Nihu David Ushlomo. Uh, this ultimately again refers to David Ushlomo. Uh, they buried him ultimately again in the Kvarim. This also is referring ultimately again. Actually, note, it will stop over here. With where this came out by King Asa, we'll pick up with this Gemara Mirat tomorrow.